stood 35 yards from goal. Barry Davis and almost 78,000 spectators at Wembley all thought the same thing. Gaza, is he going to have a crack from here? He did, you know, and the rest is history. You're listening to YE1's review of season 1991, which is famed for first that moment of semi-final gold, then extra time jubilation a month later to win our eighth and final FA Cup to date. Peter Wright, join me, Ian Wallace, over the webwaves again to continue on the home straight to 1986-87, with the three of us having uh, been ever-present for all 29 season summaries. Though as proud as we are about that, the reality that it's taken off 30 of these reviews to strike FA Cup success has well and truly hit. Sim, at the age of 22, this obviously means that you haven't seen us lift that FA Cup, but Peter, <coughs> can you believe it's really been that long? Yeah, I mean, our days of winning the league seem to have drifted into ancient history. However, we were always uh, the classic cup side, you know, like with those, at the time, record eight FA Cup wins. You know, we were the record holders of the FA Cup and the team that never seemed to lose a cup final. And now we can't seem to win a semi. No, you're right. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. A lot, the mixture might come down to... A mixture of the ownership and this rotten streak of semi-finals that we've had. But you think we were a cup team, and I used to—I mean, I used to get really excited about the FA Cup oh, yeah, yeah. because it was the only thing we could ever win, wasn't it, Peter? Yeah, we, we retained the FA Cup in 1982. Don't forget, and we retained yeah, we it did. in '62. Billy Nick had won the league in '60-'61, but uh, I think we we kind of like following on from then. We were like the classic cup team, I think. Yeah, I sort of quite like that mantle. This latest episode also signifies a third boardroom regime as Irving Scholar sold his shares in Tottenham Hotspur for £2 million at the end of the season to end his control of the club, which had begun in December 1982. Last Thursday, we spoke on this podcast about Irving Scholar's presence at the first top-flight breakaway meeting in the autumn of 1990 which solidifies him forever as a key player in the foundation of the Premier League. But Peter, with the club's finances far from perfect at the time, what can you recall about the end of Scholar's era? And, you know, were you a fan of him, Peter? Most of what I remember about him is shares being floated on the stock market and his, mm. Im- his image in the media is as some sort of a kamikaze figure. But I might be wrong. But he seemed to be involved in a lot of financial hijinks. Am I right? Yeah, or wrong? I don't know. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm quite. A, you know, I'm a bit of a finance geek, as you, yeah, as you listeners probably, probably will know. know but, better than me. Yeah, Irving, Sc- yeah. Irving Scholars was. You know, he was a Spurs fan, a big Spurs fan, actually. And uh, the story goes. Sorry, this might be a bit of a long ramble, listeners. But yeah. the story goes: in 1981, he turned up to buy a box in the new, unbuilt West End. But he was sort of. You know, he went into the ins and outs of the costs with the people then. And he was a bit worried about, you know, the cost of it. And so he decided at the time to sort of start buying up shares. You know, he thought he'd try to get into the boardroom and, you know, sort it out. I think he was quite power hungry, guys. But I think he saw a gap in the market there because there was a rift between two former chairmen 
Arthur Richardson and Sidney Wow, right, and he persuaded Sidney Wow to sell shares to him. So he bought 25% of them, and Scholar's friend Paul Bobroth bought 15% as well. So they had 40%. And then, so they took control in December 82, and in 1984 he made himself chairman. So I think he was power hungry, Peter, at the time. Yeah. But you know, we, we, we were having a period of success on, on, the, on the pitch, weren't we, Peter, at that time? Oh, yeah, at the point at that time, yeah, yeah, so. It was a, mm. like a, a good investment for him. Perhaps. And also, I think he was possibly viewed, Peter, by the fan, by, say, me and you, as a good guy because we were having success on the pitch. We didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. My memory's sort of fading a bit about it. Just, he just seemed to be in the media a lot and liked the kind of, like, recognition. You, he went to Forest, yeah, didn't he? I think he? he did. He got involved at, at Forest in the late 90s, he, didn't he? Yeah. He did, he did. But when, when Scholar sort of took over, though, he inherited, like, you know, five million of debt. But he started to try and, like, get rid of this debt by using lot his commercial nows. And also he bought a lot of small companies. I think we bought a big stake in Hummel, the kit manufacturer. And we just seemed to be buying a lot of small companies. And as Peter said, you know, he floated spurs on the yeah. stock exchange, That's which was the first, you know, which is quite common now, you know, United were on the stock exchange. But, you know, he was bit of a visionary actually so possibly you know he he wasn't all bad but scholar was a big driver as we've said in getting more tv money so in hindsight he was really good for the game but yeah. i think however by you know early early 90s late 80s you know we we were in a lot of financial troubles due to investment in new players the construction and the debts of the west stand and also the failed investments of those companies I just mentioned. Also, our crowds wasn't massive then. Football wasn't massively crowded. There was a lot of hooliganism and TV money was small. So possibly it was like a perfect storm where we had not a lot of revenue and, you know, we built up a lot of debt. So, you know, it was quite dark days for us, Peter. Do you remember, like, you know, when yeah. going into the 90s, we were nearly going out of business, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, there was uh, talk in the media about, you know, financial problems and, you know, when you're just a fan, you don't know how deep it runs. What was incredible, Peter, was you know we had terrible debts, and Scholar reached out to Robert Maxwell, oh, um, oh. who was a bit of a crook at the time, <laughs> oh, yeah. to help bow Spurs out. I kind of obviously, remember that, yeah. Yeah, obviously this went massively. Pete Tong, as they say, and yeah. Scholar and Bob Roth had a massive falling out, and then a power struggle broke out between the two of them. Scholar won this power struggle. Bob Roth resigned. But then yeah, Venables was the manager at the time and he was sort of trying to steer the ship while all this was going on behind him. And then Venables decided, right, I'm going to try and get some investors and buy the club. That sort of took us to 1990. So this was all going on while Venables was managing the club. Peter, were you sort of aware of this? I do remember some financial dealings going on in the background. But I can't remember it was whilst he was actually managing the team that this was going on. Yeah, it was. And then the HSBC, or the, I think it was called Midland Bank then, they were called the Listening Bank. Yeah. They weren't listening and they were trying to call in the loan. So Venables, you know, we were close to going out of business. We really were close to Sim, which is, you know, you must look, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I would be a Crystal Palace fan. Well, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd be a Dulwich Hamlet fan as I am now. But <laughs> So Venables went to about five different backers before he actually teamed up with Sugar. And then Sugar possibly doesn't get the credit he deserves as he's come in, invested, stabilised the club, you know, and he, he was instrumental in getting the, the TV deal done. So possibly Sugar not getting the credit he deserves from Spurs fans, do you think, Peter? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody had their part to play, even Scholar, really, if you say 
he kind of like steered us was in the kind of embryonic days of kind of getting TV in, involved. So he's uh, maybe a maligned figure, but had his part to play, as did Yeah, I totally Sugar. agree. Yeah. Totally agree. A scholar did, there definitely is. Um, I just want to throw this to you, Peter, that scholar was quite a bitter man when he left, and he left this parting shot after Venables and Sugar obviously bought the club off him. Mm. He said, the first year will be a honeymoon, the second year will be a divorce. Yeah. How well, true. He wasn't wrong there, was he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he wasn't wrong. Yeah, yeah, he literally was spot on, wasn't yeah, he? No, he, he, got, he, got that, he got that right, yeah. Yeah. So, so that, 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 I just thought that was quite interesting, a little trawl back through Irving Scholar for listeners who didn't really remember him, Sim. That must be quite interesting for you as well. Yeah, it must have been interesting. Anyway, let's move on to the 1990-91 season. Sim, do you want to give us a few key facts of this season? Yep, so we finished 10th in the first division and I suppose we really did just live up to our reputation, like Peter said, as a cup team. We lifted the FA Cup in a year which ended in one. Yay! Famously, um, I feel like this podcast is kind of, we haven't lost our identity because we, we began as the, as the year ends in one, didn't we? But it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of um, become more discreet. But It's that, evolved. Yeah. It's evolved, yeah. It's, it's simplified, maybe. Yeah, like I said, we finished 10th, but we actually did sit third after 17 matches. And I suppose you, you do hear stories about problems in the boardroom and impending takeovers having an effect on on-field matters. And obviously Venables didn't continue as the manager the next year. And I wonder if that kind of had something to do with what was just a horrific second half of the season where we only won three games in the final what was it, three games out of... I think three out of 20. And then we drew loads of games, didn't we? Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, but Sim, can, we just take, can I just take you back to our start? We lost one in our first 14 games, wasn't it? Peter, do you remember? The, obviously, we just had Italia 90, uh, the World Cup, where England had done fantastic. Gazza and Lineker were playing for Spurs. It was just unbelievable time. Yes, I remember going to the Man City game. You know, there was a real buzz about Tottenham Hotspur, wasn't there at the time, Peter? Yeah, yeah. In, in the media, you had, I mean, off the back of 1990, I think Lineker and Gazza were like really big kind of tabloid figures. Shell suits abounded. <laughs> <laughs> remember the old shell suit? And uh, there was even a, a stage play called An Evening with Gary Lineker. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember yeah, that actually, yeah. but I'm I'm, I'm I'm more interested in Peter. Did you wear yeah. a shell suit? I never actually had a shell suit. No, I never. Oh, I never had a on. mullet. I did have a mullet, but that was uh, <laughs> yeah in the eighties. Yeah, I have to confess to having a wet look mullet, but I never bought a shell <laughs> suit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yes, the back of Italia ninety had a transcendent effect. These guys seem to transcend football, and I remember being quite chuffed, quite proud to have them in our team. Yes, I agree. And, yeah. and you know, such was the the furore around Spurs. You know, we won that first game. It was like a three-one at home to Man City. It was like a carnival atmosphere. I remember. And then we drew Sunderland away, but then we had Arsenal away. And I tell you, this is something really interesting, actually, because you know, Arsenal, I think the library, the library was being redeveloped, so Spurs weren't really allowed that many fans there. But Spurs hired out Wembley Arena and showed the game as live. There was about 10,000 people there. Really? It's incredible, isn't it? Wow. That's incredible. I went, I went to it. It was, it was unbelievable. It was like, you know, it was, it was incredible. I just look back. 
just, just an aside, that is something you wouldn't really get these days, really, I suppose. Well, definitely not right now. <laughs> 10,000 yeah. people in the same place. <laughs> so it's become unthinkable, isn't it? With social just in the space yeah. of about three months. Yeah. yeah. It is. Um, so we had a really, really great start to the season, as you say, Sim. But can we just go back to sort of the transfers in for Spurs? pretty uneventful in terms of the guys coming in for the in fact it was it was more than uneventful we we spent literally we spent £68,000 wow. on um on the young Dundee striker John Hendry a bit like when there was the transition between Sugar and Enoch and we saw like a really non-existent transfer activity I think we we just were signing free agents mm. and it's pretty much the same the same story here possibly Hendry was a promising player. He had two quite memorable games on the final day of seasons, didn't he? Um, he, he got did, the equaliser yeah. at Old Trafford this season and he had got those two goals at Highbury in 93, didn't he? But interestingly, I think more notable for this season or in at some point in 1990 was a transfer that didn't happen and that was Matt Letizier. I think we'd actually agreed a deal with Southampton and it was just his loyalty to Southampton and the fact that they were happy to kind of offer him as much money as we were that he just decided to stay there but could have been a seismic signing that could have been yeah, I remember him being linked with Spurs he just wanted to be a big fish in a small pond I think I think that's what it was yeah. with, with, with but, do, but do you know do you know what I, I, I remember have seen something recently on the Premier Gary Neville's Premier League years which he sort of says he was really close to joining Spurs and it's it sort of is a regret for him you know, it might have been different. So that's quite interesting, Sim, that you brought that up. So we started the season really, really well. Carnival atmosphere, rocking and rolling. We get to, say, November, I think, and we'd only lost one game, and that was to Liverpool at home. But then after, sort of, like, from December onwards, I mean, it was terrible, wasn't it? You know, we won one in about eight <laughs> games. I mean, what, what? Peter, do you remember why that was? I mean, we are such a strong team. I just can't grasp it, Peter. Any yeah. memories of it? I think having the good run prior to it, probably what should have kept us sort of up the table I suppose I don't know yeah. is it something in the pre-season or, or I, I don't know, know what, but, what but what at, at that time Peter we, we could have bought any player you know there wasn't a transfer window and possibly the fact that we didn't have money other clubs might have been buying we didn't have money to buy but I didn't feel at the time we needed to because we had quite a strong team maybe uh, Vanables had taken his eye off the ball or so. I don't know yeah, maybe. Yeah. Actually, that's a really good point because we just talked about you know there was a lot of things going on at the, the time, and yeah. possibly there possibly there was a lot of debt around at the time, and I I mean there was a lot of controversy around the time of us not having any money, so it is quite interesting. But just going back to the squad, I actually felt there was a really good vibe in the squad at that time. I felt we had some really strong characters, as in yep. Paul Stewart, Gaza, Sedgley, Vanden Howe, Lineker. You know we. Really strong, and I sort, I sort of look back in hindsight, you sort of regret that that team didn't stay together for longer and could have done a bit more, don't you think? Yeah, it disbanded all too soon. Keep those guys and maybe added to it, I think we could have gone places. I totally agree with that. So, Sim, if we sort of go from say January onwards, we drew so many games in the second half of the season, didn't we? It was absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing to win three games after November. The start of that terrible run started an abysmal run that just haunted Spurs for so many years. And that was the 3-2 loss at Stamford Bridge, where Jury actually scored, Gordon Jury, who would sign for us the year after, actually scored the winner for them. Lineker missed a penalty. That began the second half of the season slide. But it was also the first win of that 
Chelsea 26 match unbeaten run against us. It's unbelievable, isn't it? 26 matches. It was it was the 2002 League Cup semi-final, wasn't it, where we finally ended that. But then we still didn't beat them again until Lennon in 2006, which I was um, can actually remember. Yeah. Peter, why is that? They really raised their game for that. Yeah, but why, it, it, why are we so weak? Why, yeah, why, why can't we what, match them? There's no explanation for it, really, because regardless of the manager, regardless of the players, they went through more managers than us. Different personnel, just this mental block, really. I think it was the Lineker goal in 89-90 was the last time we won at Stamford Bridge. That was kind of like rammed down our throats for years. I can't put my finger on it because they had Avram Grant, they had Mourinho, they had all these managers, Benitez, all just could not seem to, I don't know, I think it's a mental block. Plus they do raise their game like West Ham do. Do you think though that in the, in the second half of this season, Sim or Peter, that we started this cup run and possibly do you think our mind was just on the cup? I think so. You know, from Once the FA Cup started, we may have possibly prioritised it. We ended up finishing 10th, which was just, you know, pretty, pretty a bit annoying really considering how well we started, wasn't it, Sim? Yeah, I mean, it's maybe it just goes to show just how big the FA Cup was at the time, wasn't it? Because because yeah. you, you you realise that you're onto a good thing in that, and then you know you might whether it's players not necessarily being rested, but players being kind of saving saving themselves, not going into the kind of tackles that Gaza decided to go into in the final. Just a different mindset, and people talk about the margins in the sport now, and. I don't see why that would have been any different then, especially when there were such smaller squads than there are now. That early start of the season, maybe that good winning streak at the beginning of the season, what kept us out of a relegation <laughs> battle at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. but do, do you think there's an argument for sort of saying, like, you know, our key players might have been jaded after the World Cup in Italia 90? Because, you know, Gaza and Lineker were there, and they, they, yeah, there was the euphoria, they might have just got a bit jaded. There might have been some fatigue set in towards the end, because, I mean, a lot of adrenaline will carry you through the early parts of the season. There is a post-World Cup fatigue that can happen the following season. Yeah, I agree. Sim, can you take us through the League Cup and then we'll come on to uh, our real little treat? Yep, the League Cup. Oh, bloody, we're, we're leaving it as long as possible, aren't we, to talk about that <laughs> win. But yeah, no, it's, it'll be worth waiting for. So yeah, we went out in the quarterfinals, lost to, guess who, Chelsea. 3-0 at the lane in the replay, we lost 3-0-0 at the bridge. Before that, Gazza had scored four in a 5-0 home win against Hartlepool United. The second leg of that, we won 2-1, so we won 7-1 in aggregate. Gaza and Paul Stewart were the scorers in both the next two ties. We beat Bradford 2-1 at home and Sheffield United 2-0 away. But yeah, quarterfinals, Chelsea out. I actually went to that game and it actually played very well. We, I don't know, we just weren't at the races that day. I think after that away game, we thought we might go through. But very disappointing. Let's, let's not dwell on that, shall we, Sim? No. Nah, but probably best not. And then with the FA Cup, so... If we can go through round by round and like yeah, just our little memories of it. So Sim, if you can take us through, give us the stats, then possibly me and Peter can have a little uh, trawl through memory lane. Yeah. Yep. So we won six out of six ties in it, which is a perfect record in the in the competition. I suppose it could be levelled at us that maybe we got lucky with the draws because we didn't play anyone in the first division until Arsenal in the semi. But I mean, we we won two 
pretty difficult. I mean, in terms of the semi-final and the final, two good sides. Just kind of reading the match reports on whether it's the Spurs official website where they've retraced the journey to winning it in 91 or other fans who have written blogs on it. Every single tie seemed to be difficult. And I suppose the FA Cup was the day out. It still is the day out for these lower league players. And they've seen people like Lineker and Gaza playing in the World Cup. They've idolised them, possibly supporting their nation. And in some ways, they've been treated to the fact that those players, in terms of Gaza, who was just on fire in every round, has been the man to pull us through very difficult ties. Yeah, I mean, Peter, do you remember the Blackpool game? I mean, the yeah, weather I mean, was just horrific. Yeah, that I mean, was a tough tie away, yeah. wasn't it? Peter? I mean, they're in the fourth division, but that will not have been easy. And they will have made that as uncomfortable for us as possible. Like, yeah, the uh, pitch the pitch was bad. I remember seeing it on TV. This was the only game I didn't go to in this yeah. FA Cup run. And they, they were sort of saying the rain was uh, sheeting sideways. Yeah, hor- <laughs> horizontal raindrop. Always, always does the trick, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then um, Paul Stewart scored in that game, and I remember even that was a scrappy goal from memory. That was good to get through that, and then we had, then we drew Oxford at home, Oxford United at home, didn't we, Sim? Yep, we won that game 4-2 there in the second division. That was, uh, yep, at the lane. And Gaza was imperious in that game. Mabbott scored as well, and so did Lineker. They kept pulling it back, Oxford. I think they brought it to 2-1 at one point, and then 3-2. And I've, there's quotes from Gary Mabbott and... I think David Howells, who didn't play that day, and Howells said he was just almost like in awe of Gaza watching from the stands. And Mabbott said that they just couldn't relax in that game and Oxford just gave them a right run for the money. Yeah, they did. I remember that game well. Yeah, they were quite dogged. And again, they were up for it, weren't they, Peter? Yeah. I think the teams then, the FA Cup then still had its allure. It was a big prize. Um, would you say, Peter? Yeah, it was definitely a big prize. And... Even the lower division teams would give it their full tilt. Then we drew Portsmouth away, which was quite a tough tie to draw away, wasn't it, PG? Yeah, the time? Yeah, that, that was a tough place to go, wasn't it? Yeah, the, that wind, another ground where the wind whistles. Don't forget, Gazza had this, was he nursing a groin, some kind of a groin injury? He was, good memory, he was, yeah. He was wearing some sort of a corset or something. I don't know what was going on, but he was... If ever a guy sort of dragged us almost like single-handedly through that FA Cup campaign, and then yeah. in that Portsmouth game, I think he scored a header as well in that game. He did, he, he did. We went 1-0 down goals, to Mark yeah. Chamberlain, who's yeah. Oxlade-Chamberlain's dad. He scored for Portsmouth, and then, yeah, Gazza got us back into the game, but he literally single-handedly got us back into the game. Yeah. I remember going to that game as well, because I think there was a crowd of about 26,000, and you, there was about 7,000 Spurs fans there, and there was such... When Spurs sort of equalised and got their other goal, there was fighting on the pitch. It was just, it was like a real throwback to the like the early eight, mid eighties of a football hooliganism. I remember the journey back to Fratton Station was a bit fraught, shall we say? Mm. A brave man going down there, I think. Yeah. Yes, but it was brilliant. It was great. I mean, it's great atmosphere, and you know, I always remember one of my you know, one of my favourite Spurs songs is "Spurs Are on the Way to Wembley," and to sort of. You know, have that song being sung by you know seven or thousand fans there. It was just a real, yeah, real great memory for me that Portsmouth away one. So, but that that was great win there. And then then we drew Knox County at home, didn't we, Sim? Yeah, we beat them two one. They were tier two as well at the time. They did actually get promoted that season. Gaza scored in that game as well. Yeah, he played very well in that game. That was on TV actually. And I remember I went to that game and my school PE teacher was the referee, Peter Folks, which was great to see. He should have actually sent Gazza off. So I don't know if you remember Peter, Gazza done a, one of his elbows. Remember he used to do like a little yeah. elbow to someone? Yeah, he, he should have got sent off, I think. 
Yeah, he used his elbows a lot, but he had this ability to kind of like glide past people. Like, uh, it just seemed to go past people effortlessly. What would you say, Peter? It, it was great about Gaza, you know, because you're you're a big fan of him. Why was he so good? Yeah, it's just like that that ability, just to carry the ball through different layers of the team. He was just like it's different to Hoddle because he Hoddle would hit like these long balls like you guys are with free kicks but it's just the ability to carry the ball pick up pass and that's kind of nervous energy that he seemed to have he just had this buzz around him I remember going to Selhurst Park following the um, World Cup he was the celebrity figure on the pit he was the guy that people had gone to see you know even the Palace mm. fans would say that you know well they'd, they'd gone yeah. to actually give him abuse but you know secretly they were in awe of him I think everyone was yeah, he just—he reminded me of, a, of like a um, like someone over the park. Like you know, he just loves playing football. He reminds me of Wayne Rooney a little bit. Does he, you, Peter? Yeah, yeah. It's got that kind of uh, play with that same kind of energy, nervous energy. Those guys just would have done the same thing, in, as you say, in the park. The finest player of his generation. He was actually a really good defensive player. He was good in the air. Technically, he was good. I was so grateful to have seen him as a Spurs player. Were you, Peter? I thought it just ended all too soon. And then, obviously, we go yeah. to the semi-final sim. Can you give us some stats on that, please? Yeah, I mean, we all know we all know what happened with the Gaza free kick after five minutes. What a start to a semi-final. If there's one retro Spurs moment of when I say retro, I mean like kind of like before my time that I've seen the most. It would definitely be that Gaza free kick, 35 yards. David Seaman, absolutely no chance. And we we were two up in inside 10 minutes in that game, weren't we? I just can't wait to hear you guys give your accounts of it because you were both there, obviously. Yeah, I remember it was an early kickoff, Peter. What was your sort of recollections yeah. of it? My mate Nick Frankel, who's a, been a contributor to this podcast, he had a. Uh, Season tickets uh, at Spurs, so he managed to get tickets for myself and his wife, his late wife. I sat next to her. We had fantastic views of the Gaza free kick. And he had some sort of corporate tickets with his brother. So he went off to the Wembley Conference Centre, I remember. And they, oh, wow. went, they went off for one of those corporate lunch type things. And uh, it was like medallions of beef or whatever. So he was getting stuck into the corporate nose bag and I was helping myself to a double burger outside Wembley. And I remember Diane looking at me with horror no, that, that I was going <laughs> to be eating something like that. That's possibly still in your colon, Peter. <laughs> yeah, possibly. It's need some irrigation. Just fantastic day. It was the early kickoff. I remember they went back to their corporate thing after the game to watch the other semi-final with Knott's Forest and um, West Ham, I think it was. And War- right. Warren Mitchell was the guest of honour or whatever at this corporate thing. But he, he's a big Spurs fan, apparently. We started really well, actually. And we just seemed to control the game. And then, then I think they sort of came back into it, didn't they, Sin? Yeah, Alan Smith scored right on the stroke at half-time. That's kind of your worst nightmare in a game, especially in a, in a tight game like that, in a derby mm. game, so much riding on it. And, you know, you, there's nothing worse than going into half-time knowing that the team talk has changed to use the cliche um, and we did kind of complete the scoring with Lineker's second goal in the 78th minute but I'd just be interested to know what the period between the start of the second half and scoring our third goal can, can you guys remember much about that yeah. well I think we, we, yeah. we, we'd we battered them in that first half and we'd come I mean we just was so on top and I think Samwa is the interplay between Samwa is 
and Gaza was breathtaking. Yeah, just, Vinny Samos was brilliant that day, wasn't he? best game Vinny? in a Spurs shirt, which tends to get forgotten about because of the Gaza free kick. The Alan Smith goal was almost like, it felt like just a bit of a defensive lapse, but I didn't really feel like I was going to change the course of the game. But then when the Lineker goal went in, it was just that feeling of relief. You know, yes, we're going to the final. Sim, your question of after half-time until when Lineker scored, I remember being so nervous. I was with mm. a couple of my mates and we were so nervous. It was, uh, it was ridiculous. You know, I, I even started to walk out i said i can't do this anymore mm. and i was just going to go and stand by like, the concession stalls and not watch the game because they do it and as i was walking up the steps lineker scored mm. and i come running back down it was yeah. oh it was just magical and, and you know what it was brilliant to score at that point because you've got 12 minutes then to sort of rub their noses in it yeah. and yeah. i just remember the noise reverberating around peter it was magical yeah. wasn't it yeah but i don't actually i don't remember an onslaught from arsenal <laughs> Between half time and that, then I I don't remember like wave after wave of uh, no, I agree of Arsenal attacks. I'm just obviously you were going to get nervous. We denied them winning the double. I tell you, Peter, who else had a very good game that day? Was David Howes played very well that yeah. day? Yeah, Paul Allen. Everyone did that day. I mean, Paul, brilliant. Paul Stewart as well, and, but uh, you know they all contributed. They yeah, conceded 18 goals that season. That Arsenal team in the league. Yeah. They were a very, very good team. I think it was a bit of a shock, I would say, us winning that game. So we won the game. I remember celebrating quite hard afterwards. So we get to the final. And obviously it was a real scramble to get tickets for the final. And I remember I couldn't get a ticket. And I was really gutted because I've been to a lot of games that season. And in the end, I ended up buying two tickets for me and my mate off this towel. And when I got my tickets, and it had Barnet FC written on my tickets. Mm. So... Stan Flashman, who owned Barnet at the time, Peter, I'm sure you remember him, he was a bit of a crook. He'd obviously sold his tickets that they got to the black market. And I paid £150 for my ticket. Wow, so you went to the final? Yeah, which was, you know, a lot of money in those days. Yeah, Stan Flashman had sold the ticket. They were asking for people to send their tickets in if if you bought them off a tower and I actually send them in. So and, and I remember a few years after Stan Flashman got done for it, so I, yeah. I don't know if I'm the one who grasped him up. You helped pay for his uh, kitchen, mate. <laughs> yeah, you helped. Sorry, uh, i got to go back. Stan Flashman's lawyer's on to me next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get a ticket either, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was brilliant going there, but... So, Sim, do you want to take us through the final, how it went? Yeah, so I suppose it started with a proper double blow on the 15th minute. Gaza, let's be honest, it was kind of his own doing when he completely crunched Gary Charles in the edge of the box and ruptured his right cruciate ligament unfortunately ligaments yeah, I saw him in the as they were walking out Fennel was leading him out and he just looked so twitchy and then in the line up for the national anthems he, he just looked like he was just twitching all the time like so he was good that like he was going to kick off with him he just was too over hyped I think for that game yeah. He just somebody yeah, needed totes. to somebody needed to rein him in a bit, I think. Yeah, because yeah. he kicked Gary Crosby beforehand, didn't he? Or Gary Parker beforehand. Yeah, I think. yeah, for which he actually might have been sent off for that as well. If somebody just yeah. had a, like maybe a word in his ear, or Venable put his arm around him and just calm him down a bit, he was just too too hyped up for that. And then yeah. the waist high tackle on Gary Charles was just the end result of it, I suppose. Can I just go back to something before you, Sim, you give us the rest of the, the stats on it? That It was really ironic because the team who played Man City on the first day of the season was pretty much exactly the same team which played in the cup final. The only difference was Justin Edinburgh swapped with Goodney Bergson. 
I mean, that, that's quite incredible, isn't it? To start the season and end the season with pretty much the same team. That's really interesting, that. I can't remember who it was, but someone said that Gaza could have been possibly the best player of his generation if he hadn't got that injury. It set him back from what he, even though he achieved a hell of a lot and had some amazing moments afterwards, he could have done so much more. Yeah, for sure. Because the rehabilitation from that injury back in them days, I mean, that sort of injury would probably end a career maybe 10 years previous to that. So, you know, but it was still a long rehabilitation, you know, really maybe wiped him out for the next season. Yeah, it did, yeah, it did. Yeah. Gaza went off, obviously, and Naeem came on then, Peter, and yeah. Naeem had a great game, didn't he? I think people sort of forget how good he was. He did. Him and Paul Stewart were like unsung heroes in that game. Paul Stewart just ran and ran and ran the channels. Yeah, he did. He worked yeah. so hard, didn't he? Also, yeah. Samways was good again. I mean, every, everyone was good that day, really. There was a bit of adversity. And do you think that we had a manager like Venables to, to have such a blow of your best player getting carried off. Mm. Venables, just the calmness and the assurance yeah. of Venables was integral to us winning that, do you think, Peter? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that experience and that sort of steadying sort of hand, he never looked flustered and he totally never transmitted that. I mean, I, I remember I was like really horrified. I was, I was watching the game and thinking, oh, we've lost, you know. Like when the Stuart Pierce free kick went in, you know, from the, you know, it just felt like the whole thing was falling apart. But when your name's on the cup, it's on the cup. So, Sim, if you can sort of take us through the scoring, that'd be great. Yeah, so as Peter just told us there, Stuart Pierce absolutely font a free kick in the top left corner. What a hit that was. Yeah, um, that was a great hit. And then Paul Stewart equalised on minute 53. And then into extra time, four minutes into extra time, Des Walker put for his own net to win us the cup. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was yeah. great. Do you know what? It was an incredible feeling to see your team win the FA Cup at Wembley. But, Peter, I, you know, I just want to go to you guys, both of you guys, actually, because during this project, I've been possibly, and during the season, saying about I'm a big advocate of Spurs being in the Champions League. And, yes, I'd like to win a trophy, but it's not a big deal for me. OK? But having sort of gone through this and remembering this, I really think it's time for us to win a trophy. And, and for me, my mindset needs to change a little bit from top four, top four, top four Champions League. Peter, you've been a real advocate of us winning a trophy. Yeah, for me, this was a bigger moment than finishing in the top four, I have to say. Don't get me wrong, what happened in Amsterdam was unbelievable, but just actually winning a trophy. I think they all took the FA Cup to Gaza in hospital, actually, yeah. They all went into his hospital room and paraded the FA Cup for him, you know, and he, yeah, it was uh, against Cluffy's Forest, wasn't it? Was it Brian Cluffy? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great, great moment. I mean, I think I take those moments over top four finishes. Yeah, I've changed my opinion. Anthony Costa said it on the podcast as well, and I'm definitely sort of changed my opinion now, and I think that's the way we've got to go. I just want to sort of throw something in there as well. Well, the person who uh, gave the cup out was Princess Di. Oh yeah, Matt gave it to Gary Mabbott, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. The kit as well. Spurs wore baggy shorts for the first time. That sort of came back into fashion wearing the baggy shorts because there had been quite tight shorts beforehand then. We had our new Umbro kit. We, we should long for those days again, Sim. I bet you do. I've not even seen us in an FA Cup final. We've not been in a Cup final since that day. That's crazy. So, guys, I mean... It's brilliant. I mean, I, I feel really quite invigorated by, you know, remembering this, winning the FA Cup. I'm sure you guys do. Yeah, that and the semi-final. You know, almost like, because yeah. I, I, I couldn't get a ticket for the final, but I obviously watched it. And, but, you know, if you take 
the semi-final and that final, they've got to be up there with some of the high points of supporting Spurs, I think. Sim, how will you sum this season up? It must be quite easy. Yeah, glory, glory. Love it. Peter, how would you sum it up? I'd say Gazamania, because I had yeah. the Gaza toothbrush. Stop short of getting the Gaza duvet cover and get Gaza <laughs> wallpaper. <laughs> but I definitely had Gaza. Ricky had that, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, did he have the wallpaper? Yeah, yeah I'd say Gazamania. I had definitely yeah. had that. We'd had euphoria of Italian 90 the year before, and then yeah. we had the euphoria of this season. So, yeah, I mean, it was for me, it was just wonderful, emotional, I think, for me. But thanks, guys. It's been brilliant to go through this, hasn't it? Yep, enjoyed it. You know, well, to yeah. win a cup at the end of it, to win, a, win a pot. So, guys, so have a lovely day, guys. Keep safe. Keep your social distancing. Um, hopefully, we'll be out of lockdown soon and we can have a face-to-face podcast. Yeah. Thanks for everyone listening. Goodbye from everyone at YE1. Thanks, guys. See you, guys. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, Ian. Cheers. Right. Cheers. Thanks, Bye. Ian.